0: We want to give a shout out to what God is doing in Africa. In the Democratic Republic of Congo, Awana was introduced in 2019. And despite the challenges of war, there are now 147 clubs reaching 9,000 children weekly. In Uganda, Awana is in 300 schools. In Kenya, over 200 churches were trained, with 55 leaders coming to know Christ. And in Zimbabwe, there are over 5,000 clubs, plus it's the first African country to reach half a million kids every week. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Iwana Clubs podcast. My name is Hunter Williams. I serve as a missionary with Awana in Tennessee, and I'll be your host for today's episode. On today's episode, I've got Lisa Mathias. She has over 20 years experience in working with Awana clubs, Sunday school classes, and academic classes. In 2003, Lisa founded Lifeline Incorporated, where she also serves as the executive director. It's a nonprofit parachurch ministry that strives to provide support, education, and resources to families affected by disability. And I brought Lisa on to talk about that very subject. How do we, as leaders, serve those in our Awana clubs who are affected by disabilities? It's a very practical conversation. I think you're gonna get a lot out of it. And we'll jump right into that conversation when we return.
1: Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Hey, before we keep going with the conversation, I want to share something with you. The Child Discipleship Forum is coming back. And I don't know if you've noticed, we here at Awana are pretty passionate about this whole child discipleship thing. Each year at CDF, it's our goal to share new perspectives and spark renewed energy for child discipleship, And we are stoked about what our 2023 guests are going to bring to the table. Folks like Rebecca Lyons, Darren Whitehead, Ed Stetzer, and so many other amazing speakers are going to be gathered. And I can't wait for you and your team to join us on September 21st or 22nd in Nashville or online for a time of learning worship and community with other Kidman leaders. But here's the thing. If you register right now, you can save $150. See, our early bird pricing is only available until March 31st. So register you and your team today by going to childdiscipleshipforum.com to secure our lowest pricing. And I'll see you in September.
0: All right, so we are here with Lisa Matthias. Lisa, thank you so much for being a part of the Awana Clubs podcast. You know, Lisa served in Awana Clubs for years now, and uh, I just want to ask you, you know, what can clubs do to make their club more welcoming to families affected by special needs? And maybe another way I could ask that is, how can a club structure itself to cultivate belonging for all children? Since part of our philosophy is belong, believe, become, I I like phrasing it that way, How can we structure itself um, to cultivate belonging for all children, no matter their background or their abilities?
2: Well, I think first of all, we need to know why we're doing what we're doing. So having a really good understanding of the whole purpose of Awana is presenting the gospel to children and then discipling them. So when we have that foundation, we will do whatever it takes to make sure that everybody has that opportunity, regardless of their background, regardless of their ability or disability. And um, we know that there are stumbling blocks to that. One of those things is understanding the value of every human life. When we understand that, then we won't stop at anything (laughs) to make sure that the gospel is accessible to all. we also can look at just the architecture of our building, making sure that the physical structure of our building is accessible, making sure that bathrooms are accessible, um, making sure that there's space between desks and tables and things like that going into classrooms, making sure that games are structured in a way that people who use mobility equipment, um, whether it's a wheelchair, whether it's a walker or whatever, are able to participate. Um, Even looking at acoustics, because so many of our kids are affected by sensory integration challenges, looking at acoustics of the building in the different rooms where we're holding events. Um, And then I think looking at the academic component, I mean, part of this is teaching. It is helping them to understand biblical concepts. So we look at material and how it's presented and multiple different ways to present it. And typically as teachers, we teach in the way we learn, but that's not always the way everybody else learns. And understanding too, one of the things, as you said, I won't tell you how old I am, but one of the things you said is I've been in Awana for a long time and I have noticed in probably my time (laughs) in Awana has spanned about 25, 30 years. And, and I understand that, that the reading level of children now is very different than that same age and grade level 25 and 30 years ago. It is much lower, and we have a higher prevalence of learning disabilities, and so... When we understand that, we understand we're going to have to present our materials in a different way. We're going to have to break them down further. We're going to have to read them out loud. Um, We're going to have to have more visuals as opposed to verbiage at times. And so really looking at the academic component of what we are presenting to our kids And then really evaluating, are these stumbling blocks? um, Sometimes as leadership, we run into those stumbling blocks in the people that we are trying to lead. Um, So we have to look at it. Is it a matter of ignorance? Well, we can fix that. That's education. That's awareness, helping people understand. There's a lot of different ways to do that. There's trainings available and things like that. But the other part of that is is the arrogance. It's the attitude. It's forgetting who we are, who our children are, and really what we're called to do. And really making sure that we look at kids as not a problem to solve, but as a person to know and as a child with whom we are going to share the gospel.
0: That's good, Lisa, and you said a lot of things there. We could we could spend a lot of time on each point you gave, but um, you mentioned accessibility in our spaces, and that's very practical, thinking through room setup. And I liked what you said about acoustics. That's something we may not even consider that maybe we we switch rooms because one room has better acoustics and isn't as echoey as another. Um, uh, you talked about academic, you know, evaluating how we present content. And then you said awareness, too, just on all fronts. So there, there's a lot of good stuff there. And uh, I want to stick with that theme of being really practical. I know I've had you come and speak at uh, our local WANA ministry conference, and uh, you do a good job of talking about Uh, practical adaptions that clubs can make to better serve kids with special needs. So I want to ask you, and maybe we can break this into each segment of club uh, looking at these practical adaptions that leaders can make. So let's start with game time and you, you kind of alluded this already, but just to say it again, what are some uh, practical adaptions we could make to game time to serve kids with special needs?
2: Well, Yeah, my husband is actually our game director. And one of the things that he has always tried to do is play at least one game during the course of the night that the child who struggles the most can be the most successful. So they may struggle in every other game, but if there is one game at which they can really succeed and do well, then we feel like um, they have that feeling of belonging, the feeling of success, and, um, and for that reason, we also mix teams up every week. Um, He just basically lines them up tallest to shortest and starts counting off one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, or red, yellow, blue, green. And that's how he splits up. And so you don't always have the same people playing against each other and you don't have some teams more heavily loaded with the athletic children and other teams loaded with children who may struggle. Um, And so Being able to do that, um, pairing somebody with a buddy to help them, either repeat directions to them if they didn't get it, physically navigate the game with them. Um, We have um, a leader who will frequently grab one of our kiddos' hands and and run with him um, in order to make sure that he goes through all the... And they'll talk through it as they go, kind of reinforcing verbally what they're doing and how they're doing it. Um, and so there's, uh, there's also different games that um, Jeff has played through the years where everybody plays a game in a wheelchair. Um, and so they kind of get a flip side of, um, the childhood, um, disability actually really blows everybody else away, um, because they're used to playing that way, but it teaches a life lesson too, that we don't always understand what everybody else is dealing with. until we, uh, roll a mile in their shoes,
0: (laughs) Mm, man, a lot of good stuff there. Um, I like the idea of thinking through the types of games you play and that picking games are different kids with different abilities can thrive in certain ones that's good um, so we talked about games what's some practical adaptions for small group i'm sure that's a big question people have small group in general gets a lot of questions because it is i say it's the it's the meat you know of awana clubs but there's so many different ways you could go about it or thrive in it so what are some adaptions clubs can make in small group time
2: well one of the things again that i've noticed through the years is that our small groups really have to be smaller Um, we used to be able to take larger groups of kids and put them together and, and many of them would have the ability to concentrate on what they were doing while you were working with somebody else and things like that. But that really isn't much the case with the prevalence again, of learning disabilities of attention deficits, and things like that. It's hard for them to work on something while you're listening to someone else's. And so having smaller groups, um, some of our kids really struggle with writing in their handbooks, and so um, letting them answer questions and we scribe for them. Um, having having people who are kind of their buddy in that way, who read to them because they're struggling with reading, um, doing visual representations of verses. Um, I had a kiddo with dyslexia last year, and I took verses and and just put pictures. In between, you know, where some of the words are, especially for the nouns, um, I would put pictures to help kind of give her a visual for the verse she was learning, um, and and really evaluating some of the words and making sure they understand the definitions of those words. Even more, again, um, Awana does break down some and give the definitions for some, but there are some basic English words that our kiddos just don't really understand Um, the context. They don't understand the definition. And so breaking them down um, to that level um, for kiddos who are nonverbal, Um, we could do a whole podcast on that topic. I mean, but, but there's an assumption sometimes that kids who are nonverbal cannot learn verses. Um, You know, my daughter's story, she was nonverbal. We taught her sign language to go with pictures. So there are multiple means of communication that we can employ to make it possible for our kids to participate in small group and answer questions and um, be able to um, advance in what they learn, be able to um, celebrate the milestones with them. And the other thing we also have to remember is that they may not always show us in the same tangible ways that other children show us that they're making progress you know, some of my kiddos, it may take them several weeks of just sitting around a table with us. And when they start out, they can attend for three minutes, but they can attend by 30, you know, for 30 minutes by the time you make it a few weeks in. Well, that's progress. They may not have learned a verse yet, but they've made progress in that they have, gain the ability to sit there and listen and interact with you and answer your questions without jumping up and running off and things like that. So progress looks different for different kids, and we don't want to... and not recognize the other areas of progress that may not have a patch that go with them. They may not have you know, a jewel that go with them, but they are still making progress.
0: I like that last thing you just said of there's progress that be, that's being made that may not have a patch or award that's attached to it. And so I think that's a good encouragement for leaders of, you know, if you have a child with special needs, maybe they're not you know, able to track with the book like others, but there's still things you can reward them with. It may not be a patch, it might be something totally different that they enjoy, but make, making sure that you're you're keeping an eye out for those things and recognizing it because that means the world to them when you notice that. That's good. And then lastly, Lisa, uh, practical adaptions for large group time. What, what do we have for that?
2: Um, I always tell teachers to look at it in a multi sensory way. You know, we think about, all of the different senses um, that we interpret information through, you know, seeing, hearing, touching, smelling, tasting, Um, and then being, being part of a story. I'm going to be teaching council time tonight, um, and I have different pieces and parts, so we're going to act out the story of Joseph and his brothers going to Egypt, and so we're going to be moving around the room. We're going to be fully engaged in them helping me tell the story is I read the verses, they're going to act it out. And so letting them become part of the story, um, letting them see it and hear it and touch it. Um, And again, don't discount incidental learning. Just because you may not think they're paying attention because they're not making eye contact with you doesn't necessarily mean that they're not getting it. Um, Council time generally includes music and things like that. So For those churches who do things at a very high volume, I would say turn down the volume louder is not always better. It's just louder. (laughs) But that really can be a major sensory overload for our kiddos. So turn down the volume a little bit, but also maybe provide things like noise canceling, headphones, um, sensory fidgets, and other things Um, that will help keep them occupied and in one place um, and help them regulate what's going on when there's so much going on around them. There's there's a lot of of different things going through um, a visual schedule. Um, and this is kind of the whole night long, having having it laid out for what we're gonna do when. And one is really great because we have three parts to the night and kids usually know what we're doing and when we're doing it. But for some of them, a 30 minute or a 45 minute window seems very long. So if we can break that up into a visual schedule and help walk them through, okay, each night it's the same and this is the next thing and this is the next thing and this is the next thing. So they can see where they are in the whole process and how much longer they need to attend Before they can move on to whatever their preferred activity is. Um, And then, you know, thinking about literal interpretations of songs and words that we use to tell stories. um, A lot of times, um, especially kiddos on the spectrum have a hard time understanding metaphors and similes and some of the literary language that is used in scripture and that is used in our storytelling in Christianese. Um, so taking the time to define some of those phrases, but also being careful, um, of which ones we use and how we use them. And it's not that we shouldn't ever use those, it's that we have to really evaluate are are we making a good explanation of those when we use them?
0: That's really good. And I love the visual calendar thing you shared. (laughs) Uh, Structure is huge for any kid, period. Kids thrive on structure. So the more that we can just give them a heads up and structure the things, I think we're setting them up for success. So, man, really great tips there. I know there's so many more we could cover, but I think that's going to give a lot of our listeners just a good place to start. Uh, Last thing I want us to cover before we close this out... Was well, you know, we've talked about uh, creating a space of belonging. We've talked about adaptions and the different segments of club. The last thing I'd like to hit on is just uh, how can club leaders serve parents? So, we, you know, we focus on kids, but how can we serve parents well who have children with special needs? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as we uh, start wrapping up.
2: Well, as a parent of an adult child and nearly an adult child. I've had a lot of interactions with leaders um, at various points and teachers through the years. And I think the thing that was most impactful for me is when they reinforce the positive, Um, you know, my daughter has a lot of challenges and it presents in various places in a lot of different ways. But when they come to me and tell me that, you know, this is what she did tonight, I was so proud of her. I could tell that she worked so hard, um, reinforcing the positive and understanding that there are going to be challenges and you're going to have to talk with parents about them. But when you do talk with a parent about a challenge that the child is having, take responsibility for it as a leader. When a parent or when a teacher comes to me and says, you know what, Emily really struggled tonight and I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't know how to help her it wasn't her fault. She was struggling. (laughs) You know, the, the leader and the teacher took responsibility for it and said, will you help me know how to do this better next time? And so I, that just opens all kinds of doors for conversation and for me to share maybe challenges we're facing, um, things that outside teachers and therapists have done that are working that may help in this situation. Um, it it opens a level of trust with that teacher. And with that leader, um, when they come to me and ask for solutions ahead of time, before they actually get to that situation, you know, we're, we're gonna be doing game time outside in a couple of weeks. Is there anything we need to do different Do we need to let him know ahead of time? Do we need to let her know ahead of time? Do we need, um, you know, in my case, we might send Emily in her power chair versus her manual chair. And so having those conversations about when changes are gonna happen and ask for ideas, input, solutions before a situation arises that might make it less accommodating, or you know, make it where she couldn't participate to the same degree. Um, and really connecting outside of a wanna club, and just talking with the parents, and walking through a journey. Uh, I'm, you know, my kid's 23, and we're dealing with issues that we've never dealt with before. Um, but some of those people that have grown up with her, and who've been part of her life you know, through Awana, through, you know, church ministry, through other things that walk alongside us outside of those venues are so valuable. It means my kid is more than a number in your class. You know, my family means something. My child means something. The journey we're on, we're not on alone because you're checking in with me because, you know, you brought me a meal when we came home from the hospital, when you, um, you know, you checked in. and ask if there was anything you could do to make a reintroduction back to club after a break because of illness or, you know, a traumatic situation or whatever. Um, it just, the. um, Building a relationship, again, it's not about, it's just another number in our class, but you are a valuable person. You are a valuable family. Um, Your child means something to me beyond just Wednesday night or Sunday night or um, whatever the situation is. Mm
0: I love that. The keyword that came out for me was proactive. Instead of being reactive, being proactive, just thinking ahead, saying, we know this is coming up. What could we do to best serve you? Um, and then those check-ins, like you said, outside of club are so huge. So, uh, But Lisa, thank you so much. This was a lot of good information. And like we, we've said, there's more we could cover. And I just want to let listeners know about a few resources that are out there if you want to go deeper. We've got some more tips, adaptions, and things like that within Awana Basics online. Um, And if you need more information on that, we've got the link to it in the show notes, and you can reach out to your local Awana missionary. Also, on Awana's online shop, if you go to awana.org forward slash shop, you can look up our Awana special needs guide, and it goes even deeper on things that we've covered in this conversation. And then last thing I want to highlight is Lisa... she she, as I said in the introduction she has a ministry this is what she does she wants to serve churches to better be equipped to to reach those affected by special needs so look up her her ministry whether it's online or on Facebook or something like that Lifeline Ministries and uh, she's got resources that could be helpful there so but Lisa again thank you so much for joining me for this conversation this was so good I just really appreciate your time
2: no problem thank you so much for the opportunity
1: Thanks for listening to the Awana Clubs podcast. The Awana Clubs podcast is a product of Awana Audio, all rights reserved. Your support and donations to the Awana Ministry make it possible for us to partner with 62,000 churches in over 130 countries. Check out the show notes wherever you're listening for more information about what was discussed in this episode, as well as more details about today's host and their ministry. If you like this episode, you'll also like the Child Discipleship Podcast where new episodes drop every Thursday. Our theme song is Jackpot by Made To Be from their album, You Know A Better Way. You also heard their song Throne from their album, Save Me From Myself. This podcast is executive produced by Tim Sandoval mixed and edited by Marlon Washington, and content support is provided by me, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.